Man, I cannot get over that new theme song. What is up, Team NXT? I am CD Danny Mac, bringing you another episode of the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 34, and it is NXT TakeOver War Games Aftermath. Now, I want to cover the November 22nd edition and November 29th editions of NXT because that post-show, pre-show TakeOver that happens directly from Houston, featuring the Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot match, as well as the United Kingdom Championship match between Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne, I figured why not carry the aftermath over to the following week, including a huge tag team match, another UK division clash, and I figured two weeks are always better than just one, considering the amount of content I am able to work with. Rivalries were clashed, new champions were crowned, and the system was shocked in Houston at NXT TakeOver War Games, and it all came to this culmination, and where is the where is the future of NXT going? And it's a couple questions that we still have yet to answer. It's going to be a long, winding road down to Philly, but let's conclude things in Texas first. Ruby Riot took on Sonya Deville, and each of these ladies were called up to SmackDown Live and Raw, respectively. Ruby Riot leading her own faction in the form of Riot Squad, which, by the way, Riot only has one T in it. I don't know what the new change on the name is. It could be copyright circumstances. It could be a bunch of different corporate things that I don't understand, but there was no reason to change Ruby's last name. Sonya Deville getting called up to Paige's new faction, Absolution. Absolution making their own impact on Monday Night Raw, Paige, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville closing out that group. But Ruby Riot and Sonya Deville each have some individual history still yet to finish on NXT, all coming about with their triple threat match against Ember Moon for one of the qualifying spots in NXT TakeOver War Games Fatal 4-Way that Ember Moon would eventually win, but the bad blood between Riot and DeVille did not disappear after that match. DeVille called out Ruby Riot saying that she should have tapped, and Riot being the resilient one, of course, was not going to tap, and these two ladies have had a big confrontation and a couple wars of words since then, but Riot and DeVille locked up in Houston, and I thought it was a pretty good match. It was a fundamental start for both sides, a lot of back-and-forth grappling, but Sonya Deville definitely picking at the ankle of Ruby Wright, continuing this injury, and this match definitely picked up quickly with Deville's domination on that leg. Deville had such focus and such peace of mind to go after that one specific part, to really rattle that ankle lock to try and lock it in once again, and DeVille knew her game plan going into this one. One big DDT by Ruby Riot, and Riot would be able to rally later up in this one. Ruby Riot was not letting this ankle slow her down. She was selling it very well. It wasn't that she was taking away any of DeVille's body of work, but Riot was able to push through and keep her head just above water. Sonya DeVille would eventually snap right back to that ankle, and able to lock in that ankle lock once again, but Riot not giving up. She would continue to be resilient, eventually reaching the rope. DeVille would have quite a confrontation and war of words with the referee on that one, and one quick second led to the ending of this match. DeVille would turn her attention right back to Riot, and Riot would lock up 
twist her arm and deliver that side Pele kick, that riot kick, and one, two, three, a debate cost Sonia Deville the matchup, and Ruby Riot would walk out the victor. But this rivalry is still not over. Despite each one's call up to SmackDown and Raw, Sonia Deville and Ruby Riot will collide at the first NXT television episode of December in a no holds barred match. We've seen a last man standing match between Nikki Cross and Asuka. We're getting an undercard match, not for the championship, between Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot. I love how they're willing to change things up and really take risks with the NXT women's division. Really all leading back to NXT takeover respect between Sasha Banks and Bayley in the Iron Woman match. And the innovative ideas have just grown from there. So DeVille and Riot getting a proper send-off from NXT. I thought the Houston match would be their last encounter, but we're seeing these two ruthless ladies lock up in a no-holds-barred match. Can Ruby Riot overcome Sonya DeVille one more time, or will DeVille retrieve some absolution in NXT before moving up permanently to Monday Night Raw? Before I discuss Johnny Gargano versus Pete Dunne for the United Kingdom Championship, I'm going to do a quick rundown of the post-match interviews from NXT TakeOver WarGames, and let's start with Lars. Lars Sullivan, surprising definitely me, and walking out victorious against Cassius Ono. Cassius Ono had been on a hot streak in NXT. He actually demanded the match against Lars at WarGames, and Sullivan able to outpower and out-monster Cassius Ono. Lars's post-match interview, he's almost seen snapping back into reality. I had hinted at this before, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sort of character going on for Lars right now, and I think his promo style definitely backs me up. Lars able to really, really refine himself in his language. He's a very well-spoken man, but you could tell by the tone that he's also a monster. Lars laying out the sense of competition that Cassius brought out in him, but anyone to step to Lars in NXT will be destroyed by my hands only. And that about sums it up. Lars' massive master hands against the entire NXT roster. Men, you better be on the lookout for this monster Lars Sullivan, still undefeated in NXT singles action. If the knockout artist Cassius Ono couldn't do it, I don't know who else has a shot at doing it. Maybe Killian Dane. I have hinted at a rivalry for this for so long now. It's a match I really want to see, but who knows what's happening with Killian Dane and the rest of Sanity after that awesome performance inside the Wargame Steel Cage. But Lars versus Killian is still a match I really, really want to see. Back to NXT women's action, however, we saw an elated Ember Moon locking up in a big hug with Kayla Braxton backstage, and Ember Moon, it was really, really kind of a, I don't want to say generic, because I don't think of Ember Moon as anything like generic, but it was really an over-the-top babyface this is my first championship promo. Dreams really come true. It's all her hard work paying off. Ember Moon really showing this sort of humanized side. And that's what I get when I think the Mythic Warrior. When I think Ember Moon, I think this sort of X-Men 
transformation when she's inside the ring and when she's outside the ring. When she's outside the ring, we've seen it before in her injury interviews. She's more humanized. She's more relatable. She's not this over-the-top, screaming, contacts-in, almost-larger-than-life comic book personality. She's Ember Moon on the outside. She's a regular human being, just happy to have achieved one of her dreams. I thought it was great delivery on her part. I can't wait to see how her title reign goes in NXT. We've had a great history of NXT women's champions going back to the very first one with Paige. Then from there, Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Bayley. And of course, the 524-day reigning Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. I just can't wait to see where Ember Moon's title reign goes and where she cements herself as a champion in NXT. I think there's a lot of potential. I think the floor of the women's division in NXT is as open as it will ever be. You have a lot of credible talents coming in from the Mae Young Classic. You have the iconic duo who seems to be sticking around to many people's surprise, including my own. I thought I would have seen them on SmackDown two or three weeks ago. But Ember Moon, reigning at the top, she's all about proving herself as a not only Asuka's toughest competitor, but one of the toughest champions we have seen in the NXT women's division. I can't wait to see who steps up to Ember Moon first, and it's going to be one hell of a ride in that women's division. It's also going to be one hell of a ride, sadly, for the former champion, Drew McIntyre. McIntyre not offering us a whole lot of words after his loss to Andrade Cien Almas, but we do know this. McIntyre has suffered a bicep elbow area injury. I've been doing my reading up on it. I believe he is rumored to be out until WrestleMania weekend. Definitely devastating for me and the Scotsman. I mean, I wanted to see him at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, possibly retrieve his championship again. That way I would have gotten to see it him win it in Brooklyn and also win it a second time in Philly. That could have been cool, but health comes first. Drew, I wish your speedy recovery. As far as the interview goes, he really didn't offer any quarter. He didn't say any excuse, but there's unfinished business there. There's absolutely unfinished business there, but dealing with health and dealing with the injury absolutely comes first. Drew McIntyre, the former NXT champion, suffering a bicep injury at a most unfortunate time and dropping the title to Andrade Cien Almas. I just hope McIntyre is able to come back healthy and better than ever in NXT. People who are not coming out as healthy and as put together as they used to be are the nine men who competed in the NXT War Games matchup. Sanities, Killian Dane, Alexander Wolfe, and Eric Young. Authors of Pain, Akerman Rezar, and Roderick Strong. And the winners of the match, and shocking the system, the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole, baby. And they honestly did not offer much as far as a post-match interview either, but I don't blame them. I'm just shocked they were able to walk out of this match locking arms and on their own two feet respectively, a total of six feet there together, but let me get to what they said. They said, they told everybody, it, they're running this era, they run this place, it's their era in professional wrestling, and pretty much delivering the same message that they have been since they got to NXT. 
How will the Undisputed Era shock the system next? A big win in the main event of a takeover is definitely a way to make your names known and propel you to the main event spotlight of the NXT division. Guys who also want spotlight on them in the NXT tag team division are the Street Profits and the big money athletes Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. We saw another screaming match during the Street Profits post-match celebration from yet another W on NXT television. I believe that was number 5 or number 6. I can't get that number exactly down. But another screaming match would lead to another rematch between these two teams that I'm going to cover on the November 29th edition of NXT as soon as I'm done talking about this United Kingdom Championship match. Quick words on Street Profits and Tino Sabatelli, Riddick Moss. I like this rivalry because it feels real. The footage of them partying out in the street and even before that when they're just going about their day and trying to promote their social media videos and it just kind of, it all feels so natural how their rivalry seems to be coming up and their confrontations and their screaming matches don't seem choreographed because this guy is trying to talk on top of this guy and there's a whole lot of real sounding debate. I couldn't even make out a lot of trash talking phrases because of how much they were trying to scream at each other. I know Riddick Moss was talking about all the women and cars and stuff that I'm sure Tino gets, but I'm going to digress right there. Street Profits, Tino Sabatelli, Riddick Moss, a rivalry to keep your eye out for in the NXT Tag Team Division, but a division to keep your eye out on in all of the WWE is the United Kingdom Championship and that division. A standout group of guys. I'll also get to talk about them on the November 29th edition of NXT, but let's cover what happened in Houston. Johnny Gargano competing for the first time against Pete Dunne for the United Kingdom Championship. And wow, even until a ruthless Pete Dunne forearm, Johnny Gargano looked like he was in this to win it. Johnny always heart first, always that rebellious spirit coming out. Gargano would launch as much offense as he possibly could inside and outside the ring. Some nice apron offense as well, including the middle ground between in the ring and outside the ring. Johnny was looking to fight all over the place, but the bruiser weight would not be denied his championship reign. A back-and-forth, back-and-forth matchup, including some very creative spots. The Gargano escape would be locked in the center of the ring, and Pete Dunne is famous for wearing a mouthpiece, wearing a mouth guard to cover his top row of teeth. Maybe if you're British, you tend to get punched in the mouth a lot. I know Neville does the same thing, although Tozawa is Japanese. and he. I guess the styles that emphasize striking a whole lot more, it's more of a custom to wear a mouth guard. And Pete Dunne's mouth guard would backfire on him a little bit, but he would spit the thing out and start biting on Johnny Gargano's grip. You thought the match would be over. The submission was locked in for a long time, but the bruiser weight taking any cheap shots and any shortings that he can to get free of this hold. Johnny Gargano getting his thumb and his fingers bit by the bruiser weight, and the match would continue in a very interesting way. Johnny Gargano would discover that Pete Dunne's mouthpiece was on the ground, and after doing some quick math in his head, would super kick the bruiser weight right in the mouth 
Pete Nunn, you thought he was going down for the count, but Johnny Gargano unable to retrieve the United Kingdom Championship. As usual, Johnny Gargano going for that springboard spear, and unfortunately, Pete Dunne would clock him, and Gargano would meet his bitter end. The pump handle face buster proving victorious for Pete Dunne once again. The bruiserweight would still remain your United Kingdom champion. And I cannot say enough about Johnny Gargano, but I feel like the most I can say is nothing. Now, that might sound a little bit confusing to you guys if you didn't watch Johnny's post-match interview after this awesome United Kingdom Championship match. Johnny, incredible effort and a great match. That seems to be the story when it comes to Johnny Gargano. But Gargano, he doesn't feel anything. I feel nothing. I want to feel something again. Nothing. I feel nothing. A direct quote from Gargano. This post-DIY Johnny Gargano story, it's one of heartbreak. You got the emotional losses in the championship scene. You got just when you think he strang a couple wins together against the big money athletes. And he's 0-2 against Andrade Cien Almas. So many ups and downs with Johnny Gargano's career in NXT right now. I really hope Johnny Wrestling is able to get his mind on track and able to get his win record reflecting the amount of heart he puts in to every single match he is in. Johnny Gargano, an absolute asset to NXT, and arguably the top babyface in the brand, and you could debate me on that if you want, but my rebel heart definitely rides with his rebel heart, and I cannot wait to see what the future for Johnny Gargano holds. I just hope it's a win sometime soon. So on that somber note, That concludes the November 22nd edition of NXT, taking place from Houston, Texas. Now, the November 29th edition wasn't exactly a takeover in Texas, but it was a small little invasion going on in San Antonio, headlined by Kyrie Sane taking on Peyton Royce, as well as another UK division matchup, Pete Dunne teaming with Mark Andrews to take on Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven. Now, Andrews reluctant to tag team with Pete Dunne, but Andrews had one specific request from this matchup. If him and Pete Dunne were successful, he would be the number one contender for the United Kingdom Championship. Now, this tag team match was unlike anything I've ever seen. In fact, tag teaming with Pete Dunne is unlike anything I've ever seen. Surprisingly, or not so surprisingly, he's not exactly a team player, the Bruiserweight. But more tag team action happening in the beginning of the show. Another rematch on NXT TV. The Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins took on the big money athletes, Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. I covered a little bit earlier about their little confrontations that have been going on. They're very realistic, talking over each other, the post-match celebration from the last time these two teams locked up led to this matchup, and it was a little bit more than a war of words this time. Montez Ford and all that charisma coming out strong in Texas with a pretty snappy-looking cowboy hat going on, Montez Ford, and the jabberjaw back and forth between the Street Profits and Big Money Athletes, always apparent, 
Seems to be a very verbally driven rivalry. I like that. Montez Ford can talk. Angelo Dawkins can talk. Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss coming into their owns as big-time heels in the tag team divisions. I really think that there's potential here. It's fun to have a rivalry outside of the Dusty Classic or the tag team title scene. So it's nice to see just four egos clashing with each other physically as well as verbally. And Dawkins was off to a hot start against Riddick Moss. Angelo Dawkins, the powerhouse of the Street Profits, most definitely. And Dawkins and the tag team moves that he has going on recently with Montez Ford, it's really unique unique offense, and I dig it, the power of Dawkins, and the speed and flashiness of Montez Ford, and this match was pretty, it was pretty good, I like this rivalry, they're really growing into their own as far as having chemistry against each other, but it would all come down to craftiness attempts by Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, there was a tandem pin going on in sorts, Tino with the body press, and Riddick Moss attempting to hold down the legs, not exactly, uh, not exactly holding up as long as NXT referees keep their eyes open, so Moss and Tino unable to pull about a alternate pin, a modified pin, however you want to call that out, but Montez Ford would wipe out Riddick Moss, and of course, their spine buster to frog splash, tandem offense, dual finisher, they gotta have some fantastic name for it coming up eventually, but that big splash by Montez Ford would seal the victory and hand the big money athletes another L at the hands of the Street Profits. One, two, three, it's party time going on in San Antonio. A lot of fun with the Street Profits. Their post-match celebrations are some of the best in WWE. And now, they're 2-0 and against Sabatelli and Moss. I actually thought Tino and Riddick were going to walk away with the win this week to hand the Street Profits their first L on NXT television. But I believe they're 6-0, and 7-0... Not exactly double digits, but I know they're coming up close. Street Profits feeling more success on NXT, and I think they're building themselves a nice little place in the Tag Team Championship competition, and where that stands right now is pretty wide open after Sanity's involvement with the War Games matchup. Leading back to another Tag Team match later on tonight, we saw an interview for Trenton Tyler with Christy St. Cloud, and really, this all came about, this tag team match, because of what happened the last time Pete Dunne had a tag team match with somebody, and he left Wolfgang hanging at the hands of the Undisputed Era. He was not having that Trent Seven. He was not advocating that sort of behavior. Tyler Bate, being the very good protege student that he is, siding by his instructor Trent Seven, and Mustache Mountain would collide with Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews later on. I mentioned Andrews' ultimatum at becoming Dunn's tag team partner. He wants to be the number one contender for that UK championship. And after that, we got another look at the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. I talked a lot about Lars during his takeover matchup, a successful first takeover matchup against Cassius Ono, and Lars Sullivan also undefeated on NXT, except in singles action. He is still undefeated in singles action. Who is going to step up to this powerhouse? I mentioned Killian Dane before. My thoughts are still with Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan. I really want to see that match. 
It could be one of the potential ones to decide a new NXT championship. Number one contender, I'm totally open to that. As long as that match happens under some sort of circumstance, I really want to see those two powerhouses go at it. But shifting away from the two large men, let's move on to, and I love this nickname by Moro, the diminutive dynamo known as Kyrie Sane, the winner of the first ever Mae Young Classic Tournament, collides with the second half of the iconic duo, Peyton Royce. Billy Kay losing to Kyrie Sane a matter of weeks ago. Kyrie Sane able to build momentum off a win against Billy Kay leading into the Fatal 4-Way matchup. Of course, we know how that ended up in Houston. Ember Moon is our new women's champion. But that doesn't mean you stop building the blocks with the rest of the division and find out who Ember Moon's first competitor will be for that title. And before I talk about the in-ring action, I want to talk about the unbelievable love that the iconic duo has for each other. I heart Peyton shirt. I heart Billy shirts completely present in their entrance. I'm still waiting on my iconic t-shirt. Talking to you, WWEshop.com. Anyway, moving on to the in-ring matchup, the size advantage in this one was obvious. Peyton Royce has the height, she has the weight advantage, and she has the experience in an NXT arena, so that definitely gives her some sort of edge, but Kyrie Sane's speed and stamina definitely played a strong, strong backing in her corner here, Kyrie able to outmaneuver the iconic one at times, I mean, there was a whole lot of moves that Kyrie was able to pull off and Peyton had no counters for, bouncing off the ropes, running all over the ring, just running laps around Peyton Royce, except for one beautiful spinning heel kick. Now, I want to talk about the, the commentary call on that one. As some of my listeners might know, I am a martial artist myself. I'm a second-degree black belt in Kempo Karate, and I get pissed off every single time I hear a spinning kick called a roundhouse kick. Now, I get it to a casual fan. It spins around, so that's where some people get the roundhouse kick from. But a roundhouse kick is what Alistair Black does, pointing his toes and striking with the shin and top of his foot, the instep against his opponents. Not a spinning kick. The spinning heel kick is known as the black mess. Now, the spinning heel kick that Peyton Royce did was originally called a spinning back kick by Mauro Ranallo, which, if you're familiar with Neville's sequence, that spinning kick he does, that's a spinning back kick. And Mauro, being the consummate professional that he is, and an MMA caller on the side, as well as an NXT commentator, immediately corrected himself and called it a spinning heel kick right before the unsuccessful cover. So shout out once again to Mauro Ranallo's amazing insight and commentary and eyeballing a beautiful kick by the iconic Peyton Royce. But... Iconic antics and spinning heel kicks would not be enough. Billy Kay attempting to provide awareness and a distraction to, sadly, no avail. Kyrie Sane able to step between the iconic ones once again and from the top rope, hitting an insane elbow and defeating Peyton Royce. Kyrie Sane building steam, the Mae Young Classic winner, wants to be Ember Moon's first competitor. But I do want to see the iconic duo in the championship picture 
at least one more time. I don't care if it's Billy or Peyton at this point, but I do want to see one more attempt, if not a title reign, before these two ladies get called up. I thought they would be called up where Absolution and the Riot Squad would have been called up. I thought they would have been two of the women's talents headed up from there. Unfortunately, not happening. We all know who makes up the Riot Squad and who makes up Absolution at this point. So, the iconic duo, no room for them yet on the main roster, but their time is coming. I do need to see them fight for the NXT Women's Championship at least one more time. As far as additional women's wrestling action goes, do not forget the previously mentioned Sonya Deville takes on Ruby Riot in a no-holds-barred match next week. I'm assuming that one will be their go-home show from NXT brand and permanent spots on Raw and SmackDown. Sonya Deville, Ruby Riot, no holds barred, no DQ. Where is it going to go? Will Ruby Riot have an ankle after this match? We'll find out next week on the first episode of NXT of December. And as well as Andrade Cien Almas will be having a championship celebration next week. I'm sure Zelina Vega is going to put together one hell of a party for the new champion and... I cannot wait to see who steps up to the plate. A lot of things developing in the NXT championship scene right now, trying to figure out what to do post Drew McIntyre's recent bicep injury. But we'll worry about the NXT championship later on. Right now, main event time, will Mark Andrews get his opportunity at the United Kingdom championship? Him and the bruiserweight United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne took on Mustache Mountain and two-thirds of British strong style Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. This was a really good match. Awesome, awesome tag team chemistry by Mustache Mountain, but the complete opposite coming from Dunne and Andrews. Pete Dunne using his tag team partner as a distraction to bend the rules and this and that. We all know how Pete Dunne operates by now. He's willing to do any shortcut, go to any lengths to retain the UK championship and just to pick up a win over the former champion and his teacher, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. Now, Tyler Bate able to come up with some amazing offense of his own. Him and Dunne have had some great title matches the first UK Championship match, and of course the NXT TakeOver Chicago Classic for that title where Pete Dunne walked away victorious and started his reign. But there was athleticism all around in this tag team matchup. I'm a huge Mark Andrews fan. I love the aerial offense. I love the pop-punk kid gimmick. And if you haven't listened to Junior, the band, listen to Junior the Band. They do his theme song. It's called Fall to Pieces. You can find it on YouTube. It's listed under his UK Championship theme. Just a quick little plug there. Shout out to all my flannel wearing pop punk NXT fans out there as well. Back to the tag team match though. Awesome hot tag by Tyler Bate and an amazing Frankensteiner to power bomb by Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne. A lot of good high spots in this match. Andrews in it for himself and his championship opportunity. Pete Dunne in it for himself just to walk away with the victory. But a Tyler Driver 97 to the champion Pete Dunne for the three count would secure victory for Mustache Mountain. It really surprised me having the champion take the loss in this tag team match. I thought, especially especially considering he lost to Tyler Bate. Not Trent Seven possibly building up a number one contender spot for him, but Tyler able to say, hey Pete, I can still beat you in tag team action. I can still pin you in the middle of the ring. 
And that did not sit well with Pete Dunne. It did not sit well with Mark Andrews either. Mark Andrews very disappointed at his lost opportunity at the UK Championship in this tag team match. But Pete Dunne, obviously, Pete Dunne's methods are a lot more different with how he deals with disappointment. A blindsiding assault to Mark Andrews, clubbing forearms, and of course, that pump handle face buster. Mark Andrews meets his bitter end after this matchup. Who do I see going after the UK title match? Well, I thought it was going to be Mark Andrews. I'm I'm not going to hide my fandom for him as my favorite guy in the UK division, but who got, who do I think can step up? I think Wolfgang is due some retribution after that post-match assault by the Undisputed Era and really needing that redemption on his tag team partner at the time, Pete Dunne. I think that would really set up something. I think the last king of Scotland has all the talent and potential to be the next United Kingdom champion. I think the UK title can definitely hold a place as NXT's mid-card title as well. I've always looked forward for a network title or some sort of WCW TV title equivalent or ECW, depending on which side of that spectrum you were on. But NXT getting a second title and possibly just a little bit more time to focus on it, I think is very important. I love the UK guys. I love what they've done in the UK scene independently what they did in that tournament, and of course, what they did most recently on 205 Live, and Pete Dunne, Club and Enzo Amore, and Tyler Bate also having some choice words for the Certified G. So the UK division is a welcome stay with me. I'm not sure if they're getting their own show at this point. That's why I'm leaning towards my opinion of the UK title being some sort of mid-card title on NXT, but give me your thoughts on that. How do you feel about NXT getting a second title in the form of the UK Championship rather than a brand new NXT exclusive singles title? I think the UK title can be defended on a main roster show as well. It can float somewhere in the middle of NXT and main roster talents because you got guys like Jack Gallagher, hopefully Neville coming soon, and a lot of other main roster Raw and SmackDown talents eligible to compete for that title, so I think it would be cool to see NXT superstars collide with main roster talent for a chance and an opportunity at the United Kingdom Championship. But if you feel any differently, if you feel the same way, please get at me, social media rundown, once again, at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word, is the Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Listen to me anywhere. SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. I'm looking to get on Podbean and Spotify real soon. I'm on Overcast FM, as well as some other third-party internet radio sites. So look for me on any podcast platform. I should be there. It's a great possibility. Thank you for joining me. This has been NXT TakeOver War Games Aftermath, split over two weeks by me. November 22nd edition from Houston, the mini invasion going on in San Antonio, and we'll just see where this road to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia takes us. The road to TakeOver Philadelphia, which is very important to me because I will be there live for the first time attending a TakeOver outside of Brooklyn. It's bound to be a great event. I cannot wait to see. Speaking of TakeOvers, thank you again to Threshold Studios in New York City for allowing me to record my TakeOver special there. It 
was an amazing time in a great environment. I know the audio difference is going to be very credible and obvious in this week's episode, but hey, I'm still here to discuss NXT. You can listen to me every single week right here on whichever platform you prefer. I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice. Thanks for listening. Hashtag Team NXT. (laughs) 